Hey, this is a Hakawati production. Hey, everyone, welcome to the show. We have an awesome guest today. He's the author of a new book called Life Dice, which tells the story of a Yazidi refugee trying to win a million dollars in Las Vegas casinos to free his wife, who's been captured by ISIS in Iraq, as a sex slave. He's also the founder of a new project called Candle of Hope, a project he came up with as a response to COVID-19. He's of Palestinian descent, but born in Lebanon, where he lived until he emigrated to Canada. He's written for Huffington Post and was named Esquire's Middle East Man of the Year in 2015. And in 2016, he was number one in a list of the 100 most powerful Arabs under 40 in Arabian Business Magazine. He's involved in multiple nonprofit organizations. And since 2018, he served as a high-profile supporter of the UN Refugee Agency. Now he's here, hanging out with us in our studio. Please welcome Shakir Khazar. Hi, Shakir. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Thank you. It's great being here and can't wait for all your questions. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you're really passionate about uh, the Palestinian cause, kind of. And I know that a couple of years ago, you even did a video of yourself walking the same path that your grandfather walked uh, from his village to the Lebanese border in 1948 when the Palestinians were expelled, basically, from their homes the first time around. It's kind of been an, a painful and ongoing continuation of that ever since. But... Um, what a lot of people, I mean, have, you know, left Palestine and moved on with their lives. Why do you continue to draw attention to it? And do you still have hope that that something can change in, in a positive way? Uh, a lot of people or, well, the majority of Palestinians have left Palestine. But I can assure you one thing, and this is something that out of my own experience, um, I've seen uh, no one has moved on. No one moves on from Palestine. No one moves on from um, a place that is so rich in culture and so rich in religion and rich in meaning. Put politics away. I really don't want to bring politics into Palestine. Everyone brings the two pieces together there. I hate that combo and I wish Palestine was a politics-free zone because then it would be about Jesus, about Moses, about Muhammad and about whoever believes in in you know these prophets it'd be about someone who doesn't believe who just wants to you know see the culture aspect that's my palestine and i wish my palestine becomes everyone's palestine because it's only then that we it's not about hoping that there will be change it's only then that palestine will be the palestine that needs to be how dare does someone thousands of miles away decide its capital how dare does someone else sends weapons to Palestine? How dare does someone, uh, you know, wants to annex an entire area? These things do not belong in Palestine. These things should belong, you know, um, in, only in the homes of people who really want to destroy the beauty that Palestine is about. And having been there, um, it's always my pilgrimage. Like I've been there multiple times and every time I go, I, I believe again that Palestine is way more pure than every single politician from both sides that ever came and dealt with that area, not only in our time, our time and even previous times. 
Yeah, that's an interesting uh, point of view and, and uh, that you, you're kind of separating the politics from it. And it's more about even injustice seems like a cliche word. But, but really, it seems that that's at the core of a lot of the things that you're doing, where when you feel some of the books that you've written, mm -hmm. the stories you tell are have at the core this, this sense of wanting to right a wrong or shed light on injustice. For instance, even recently, I mean, I was looking at your Twitter account. You're in Lebanon. I'm not sure what you've been doing, but I know besides these meetings with the UN, um, but you, you shed light on this shelter for Filipino workers who were being held until they were deported in terrible circumstances. Can you share a little bit about that story? Because it kind of, of it kind yeah. of became like a bit of a Twitter war. You know, it. yeah, sadly, um, I have a friend, Vias, on Friday night, she reached out to me saying that she she needs me to free her. That was exactly like the words she used. And then she went on to write me on WhatsApp several messages that were very concerning. And she disclosed where she is approximately. The What did she say that was concerning? That she's not, she has her period, for example, and she doesn't have uh, hygienic, okay. yeah, hygienic products there uh, that She's being yelled at. Are uh, they not allowed to leave and go buy what they need? So um, I go the next day and I discovered, so I go with a friend, a couple of friends. <laughs> Are they big and strong? <laughs> one of them is a security guard at the hotel. Of course, we yeah. live in uncertain times and okay. I didn't want this. I was warned this could be a trap. This could be, you know, whatever. What do you mean? Like she could be setting me up on a trap for kidnap. I mean, all sort of things we yeah. watch in movies yeah, yeah. came to my knows, close right? friends that night. So I told a couple of friends and all movie scenarios came out. Anyways, we go there, we find a building, residential building with Lebanese families, but there was a guard in the basement apartment, a Lebanese guard. And I asked her about, do you know of a shelter here for Filipino workers? And she said, yeah, this place is actually. And while talking, I said, well, I need to see a friend. She said, no, we can't, they can't see anyone. They're locked in. They have been locked in for months. Some of them since January, uh, without seeing the sun, they're not allowed to leave, no exercise. That's like three months. Uh, that's four, four months. five months. Five months. They're not January. allowed, why are they no. not allowed to leave? So the Philippines government and the Philippines embassy says because of COVID-19 and because of their safety and because they don't have papers in Lebanon. I don't justify a human right violation, especially women violation. And no, I don't have any tolerance to any BS that will come taking excuses, whatever it is. If there's a problem, we can find a solution. I mean, I found a solution in one day talking to the Lebanese officials and everyone on site. So they could have done that a few months ago. Um, I got my friend out. She was, I saw her being threatened by embassy staff. Um, belittled, um, yelled at. Um, while you were there? While I was there, while the Human Rights Commission of Lebanon was there, while What media was there. What did they say? What were they doing? They were telling her, you won't be allowed to go back to Philippines if you leave with him. Uh, they were telling her... Um, okay, so you were just going to basically save her that I, day. I wanted to save everyone. I wanted to get everyone in cars and figure it out in hotels around yeah. the city that 
anyway, how many hotel rooms do we have occupancy in the city? Yeah, we can be a we can a humanity can lead here, and we can have some safe shelter. And the horrific things that came after, um, such as later discovering that there's a pregnant woman there that's been there for months, and then. And then, the, you know, I went there to help. What I got in return is a general consul who... Um, Are you talking what, about Teddy Loxon? Uh, Teddy Loxon, I'll get to him. Okay. Not, uh, oh, that will... Des- <laughs> he will deserve his own question there. But no, I'm talking about uh, the general consul of Philippines in Lebanon who came out of his car cursing at me using the F word, yelling at, uh, you know, yelling at Via, my friend, yelling at the other women inside according to some claims, many women came forward in the next hours. When I say many, many. I've sent these audio files, I've sent these interviews I've conducted to a lot of governments. I hope some action will be taken. The Human Rights Commission in Lebanon issued a statement on that shelter saying that these women need the minimum amount of exercise. These women need to communicate with third parties outside. Said that these women, especially the pregnant women, need proper medical care. This was a humanitarian yeah, um, sure. call. It wasn't about challenging Philippines or the PR that the Philippines did after is funny. I mean, they issued two videos. The first video, it says, this place is beautiful. It's clean. Uh, yeah, And yes, we, ha- we do have a pregnant woman. And they show the pregnant woman thanking the embassy and everything and all the women wearing masks. Why are they wearing masks? Aren't, aren't they quarantined altogether? Yeah. We didn't see them wearing masks when we were there. Yeah. And why are the pots and pans used in your videos are brand new? I mean, they made a video about the food these women are eating. I wanted to go and live in that shelter. <laughs> that government manipulation does not work in 2020. Yeah. And Teddy Luxon, yeah. a foreign secretary of foreign affairs, when he goes on Twitter to disclose my location in Beirut, the Smallville Hotel, now I can say it openly. How did he know? Uh, someone commented. So he took a screenshot of their comment and they put it, he put it on his... Um, He accused me of setting up uh, hair in a soup. I never mentioned a soup, so I think he mixed complaints with another, um, you know, embi- you know, with another embassy. Yeah. He added on the psychological impact on the victim. And he threatened that you'll never practice journalism in Canada, right? Yeah. I, was, I read authority, this comment. Yeah. yeah. Which is bizarre because first of all, you're based in New York, and second of all, he's from the Philippines, which so it's just like a whole the whole thing is very bizarre. Forget about and the countries. Weird. Forget about the countries, this rhetoric of threatening journalists, reporters, or any storyteller has to end. And these authoritarian men who assume that they have power, especially when it comes to women topics, this has to end. And it only ends when we expose them. And as I said on my Instagram, what started as a humanitarian mission and very pure, a friend to a friend and her friends, This is what, you know, during a crisis time, when I know that Lebanon is going through a lot of challenges that adds to these women. So what started as a humanitarian, beautiful mission that could have cooperated well with the embassy, if that consul left his car not threatening us and throwing the F word, we could have had an online fundraiser with that me- with the media on site. Mm-hmm. But instead, no, instead, let's blame the victim. And the person who told us the story, let's start throwing rumors on him. Let's threaten him. This has to end. And people like Teddy Loxon and pe- these people one day will be shame of shame, like in the chapter of shame in history. It's hard to fathom that these people, like someone like Teddy Loxon, would not instead take the high road and say something like, 
were, we, we apologize. We did not know that they were living under these circumstances and then step up to the plate and then just do the right thing. It's for, to me, I don't know, to you, I guess I'm naive. It's unfathomable that they would justify it and, and accuse you. Why? And accuse them. Yeah, it they doesn't make any sense. Or he would have investigated it. He started tweeting f- only uh, a couple hours after the incident. A couple hours you Defensive could mode. not. Yeah, you could not have investigated it. And luckily, yeah. gladly, on Monday, the Human Rights Commission issued its investigation, confirming a lot of these allegations and putting recommendations for them that we, up until now and up until the time you published this interview, were ready to help in any way as citizens just to... So where are the women now? Still in the shelter. Uh, I had a call earlier today, a chat with a representative from the IOM. Uh, she said that they might be doing something or they are doing something. And I trust in IOM's actions. So now we're waiting. Via, though, my friend is with me. Uh, she's been under heavy distress of all the threats and everything coming her way. It has, you know, I ca- I just can't, under- it, for me, just dealing with it as in four days from my hotel room and everything, and it's yeah. distressed me. I can't. Yeah understand if a woman hasn't seen the sun for months. Of course, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it doesn't make any sense. So uh, I heard about you. Uh, well, first of all, you just came from a UN meeting, right? Yeah, yeah. We had the uh, World Diversity Day uh, conference. Uh, it was a webinar uh, with the United Nations Alliance of Civilizations. So I spoke uh, on a panel with great young leaders around the world and uh, Mr. Moratinos and Daniel Sadi. So it was great. Yeah, we. it was great to see someone from South Africa, someone from India, me in Lebanon, everyone just coming together with all these cultural ideas for post-COVID-19, how, how this crisis is going to either affect us, you know, negatively or positively when we talk about cultural dialogue. Like, we're not going to be able maybe to go to a museum for a long time. So... All these things today came up on the panel. I was like, oh, I didn't think about the museums. Like, that's one, you know, main pillar of cultural experience that might have to be reimagined. Well, it already is kind of, there's a lot of like virtual tours that are being created, but it's not the same thing at all. So it'd be very sad if that happened. Was everyone wearing masks, by the way? Are they doing like social distancing at the UN? No, this was uh, actually a webinar. So everyone was somewhere we all, we, we were with our computers. So yeah. I see. That's the 2020s. Welcome. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Interesting times. So a few weeks ago, Nadine Labaki posted on her Instagram account a post about a new project that you've started called Candles of Hope. Um, Tell everyone what that's all about. You know, it started with a silly thought between two bored people. So a friend and I are talking and we're like, you know, like we're at home, it's quarantine, I don't know what to do, blah, blah, my book is delayed, all these. We've been like working out a lot and like eating well, but you feel like, you know, you want to do more. And another friend was always sending me screenshots of uh, the coronavirus count in each country. And it's sad when, you know, before March, when I, you know, when someone told me New York, I would think of home, I would think of, you know, the good restaurants. And and now when someone tells me New York, I think of how sad and tragic the city is. And same applies to every single other city in the world, London, Paris, Tok- Tokyo. 
from that, we wanted to rethink of these cities in a fun way. And from a conversation, we said, let's count candles because it's really easy to graphic wise to put a candle and you just click on it. So from an app development side, it was easy to do. And we said, let's start seeing how many candles each country lights. And we started inviting celebrities who are friends of ours. And that was the first level of the campaign. And eventually it developed into something completely different now in just a few weeks. Which is? Uh, we, together with the app developer company Play Holding and some sponsors and uh, people putting ads on the app, we decided to grant some wishes for people. So we put a call out um, for stories who want hope in life right now to apply. So they download the app, Candle of Hope, they submit their story, and we get in touch with selected stories. Uh, we also select a group of celebrities that will come together to help this story see hope. So, uh, Which celebrities are we talking about? We're talking about everyone you saw in the first campaign, 364 celebrities who participated from all over the world. So our first story will be announced uh, in uh, early June Okay. Uh, early June 2020. So in the next couple of weeks, yeah. or what, yeah. by the time this airs, it's going to be just about to kick off. Yeah, so this is why I'm trying to see when is this airing? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, next week, so it'll be uh, right okay. before. So, but... so, okay, since it's airing next week, I can tell you that we got uh, Roger Waters from Pink Floyd is kicking off our um, set our new phase, in our new level in this initiative. Amazing. So he's lighting a candle and we picked our first story. Um, of a young girl who only believed in hope. And it'll make every one of us question, you know, our faith in hope. And eventually you're going to just donate to this case by lighting candles. And the more candles you light, the more celebrities will come on board to say, you know what, let's, you know, let's help with whatever we can. So do you have to pay when you light the candle? No. No, so where so does the money come from? The money comes from the advertiser. So when you oh, are I lighting see. a candle today yeah. in the digital world, yes, you yes. are a user, a subscriber. And this subscriber sees an app. This subscriber sees, you know, all sort of things. So this is where we make our money. And we decided to put this money to something good, to stories from all over the world. Yeah. And you've had some uh, um, great celebrity uh, support, right? You have uh, Mohammed uh, Hadid, the father of Gigi yeah. and Bella, who's a big real estate guy, who's a big supporter of Palestine. Uh, mm -hmm. Who else? Uh, Romero Brito, the painter, uh, Lily Buffett, we had uh, Haifa Wahbi, uh, we had um, Dalida Khalil, we had we had over 300 people, so it will be unfair to start yeah. counting. Uh, the reason I remember this is because we were working on a project now with yeah. the names I just mentioned. But yeah, we had over 300 people. We just started reaching out through friends and friends of friends and... This is how the campaign developed. And how many how many downloads or candles lit you have? Almost fifty thousand. That's amazing. It's yeah. great, and it seems like you have a great social circle uh, that yeah. you've cultivated since you you know in your short life ex lifespan. How old are you now? Thirty two. Yeah. Ah, amazing. You've yeah. done so much, including uh, you've published four books. Right, you just were about to release your fourth called My Life fifth. Dice. Yeah. Oh, your fifth. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, tell us about the book. Uh, Life Dice uh, is about an Iraqi man, a Yazidi man from North Iraq. You're going to see him in a casino in Las Vegas, trying to make $1 million in one night to free his wife uh, captured as a sex slave by ISIS. So um, Life Dice is, um, it's this love, what can we, how much can we do for love 
and how much does luck play a role in any pursuit we're ha we have in life, whether it's to free our wife or whether it's to make the million dollars, how much, what's the role of luck? So um, this is Live Dice, but the cool thing about Live Dice, it's a completely interactive book. So when you're reading the book, there are parts in it where there's a QR code, you scan them, and then you can watch video clips uh, based on the events that you just read. So when I'm describing to you the plight of the Yazidis in Iraq, we've collected footage about the exact day even that these events are happening, because it's all based on events that happened when ISIS entered uh, Sinjar Mountain, uh, which prompted uh, President Obama to start actually uh, rescue missions to North Iraq. Um, so yeah, so you'll be able to read and see Obama's speech. You'll be able to read and, you know, swipe, you know, get your phone, uh, swipe the code and you are, you know, watching something that I just described to you in words. So that's from the paper version of Absolutely, the book. Absolutely, yeah. That's the super cool. Yeah, the paper or the digital, both versions will have, both versions will have. <laughs> I am tired. Freudian slip? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure not. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's funny, we were just talking about how great it is, or, you know, growing up, like how much we loved reading paper books and paper ma magazines, and how that's also being lost uh, now with, you know, well, it was already being lost. Bookstores have been shutting down, but people are reading, you know, on Kindle and all that. And now it's going to be accelerated. But you were going to re release this book in both versions. And of course, a lot everyone that was about to release a book was unable to do so. So what have you done instead? And how are you dealing with the delay or the change of plans? Uh, my publisher told me like in late February that a lot of book uh, fairs started canceling around the world and book events. So right away, I knew it's a shift to digital. You know, that touch feeling that we always promoted, it's going to be transformed to contactless. So that in a book context, that means an ebook. So right away, I shifted to the ebook experience. I started also recording my books as audio. Are you doing the voice yourself? Yeah, uh, for one of them only. Yeah. Cool. Uh, the rest, no. But yeah, so I started thinking how will we go digital at least to survive the next year. And this is why I decided to put out one chapter of Life Dice, let people read it, give me their comments, do some experiments. I mean, we're sitting at home. What, what better can we do with our lives? We're going to think of ideas and act on them. If it works, great. If it doesn't work, we move to something else. For the book industry, it's a big question because it's already a weak industry to begin with. Um, the digital the platforms for movies and everything, they've taken a lot of space from the book. So this is a second threat. Although this latest one sounds like it would be a great movie, by the way. It sounds very dramatic and sexy at the same time. You know, people love those. Oh, yeah. There's oh, yeah. every, all the elements are there. Mm -hmm. You yeah. have action, you We're have romance, see a lot of them. gambling. Yeah, no, Life Dice has a, a mix of everything. And it's it speaks to the reader. Like you can, uh, I think in one part, you, there's a code, a QR code. And when you scan it, you can put, you can say who from the two characters do you support? On which side are you? On his side or her side? Like there's a lot of interactivity throughout the book. I didn't want to present something to the reader to just read. I wanted the reader to have full-on experience with this. That's fun. Uh, yeah, I can't wait to release it all uh, post-COVID-19. And if COVID-19 changes markets, like the book market, then it's going to be a whole new way of, you know, books yeah. and I'm 
you know, I'm so glad that my generation gets to be a part of it. Yeah. And I think you're, you seem like you're ready to take it on. You know, not everyone is and not all publishers are. But I like to think that that's not going to fully happen. I think people still want paper books. It's one of those. I do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. nice. So how do you do it all, though? I mean, so you, you write. And you're also very active, like on social media, you're active in a bunch of stuff. I find it really hard personally to carve out time to write because I'm also a writer when I'm busy with social media every single day, multiple times a day. And then all these other projects that you're involved in. How do you make time to write your books? I give time for writing. So like life dies took one year, then it's one year where uh, it's shocker the writer, not shocker the, you know. Um, the guy doing a million things. And in order to do that, I have a great publisher and a great team of people that we work together. And that team spirit in there. So for example, when I was writing Live Dice, there is um, a company in New York that sponsored the book that is working already on the marketing and on all these cool things that I can use as content to post. So all that team spirit makes me like have enough time to hide for a year, every few years and write. Do with... you literally hide? Like, are you yeah. disconnected from social media completely? So for Live Dice, I decided to write it entirely from a hotel. I love hotels, the energy of travelers going in and out, the not the same face every day, the, the perfection in how the sheets are, everything. Yeah. I love hotels. So I wanted to write Live Dice from a hotel. And Wait, where did you say in New York? No, in Beirut. Oh, okay. Yeah, I started life Which hotel? In, uh, the Smallville Hotel. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, the Smallville cool. Hotel in Badaro. Um, so I, I thought of one downside. I said, oh, well, there's a lot of people here, like staff and everything. And having been there a lot, and of course, part of the Lebanon experience, it is everyone wants to talk to everyone and they'll ask, you know, they'll tell you about their what their wife did and their mother-in-law and this is beautiful so i i wanted to write there so this email i'll read the beginning of the email this email was sent by the general manager of the hotel to all the staff there who are great friends so okay. let me um this was at the beginning when you first yep, started this is when i checked in okay so when was this how long ago was this this so this email was sent on april uh the 5th if April 5th, 2019. Okay. From Sofia Fakhri, who is the I, manager yeah, of the, Yeah, to, uh, hi Sofia, to uh, yeah. dear heads and staff, kindly abide by the below strictly as our guest is in the pro process of writing a book and needs the below environment to focus. One, do not greet him, do not say good morning, good night, etc. unless he does. Two, do not ask him how he's doing. I hate this question when I'm writing. I hate how are you? Like this is... Three, do not call his room. Just use the Smallville's WhatsApp to contact him. Number four, no one from outside is allowed to see him. So whoever ha came asking, yeah, I'm not there. And uh, five, he usually writes at night when writing. Please ensure room service checks on him every 30 minutes for wine. For wine? Yeah. You, so you like to drink wine when you're writing? I love drinking wine when I'm Red writing. Wine? And as soon as I, no, white wine. And as soon as I stop writing a book, I stop drinking. So since I finished writing Life Dice in March, I haven't had, you know, a drink and I don't want to. That's so, so interesting. Yeah. So I completely hide. Uh, with Life Dice, I wrote it from Iraq. I went to uh, North Iraq where I did a lot of interviews with Yazidis, with the Pashmirga forces, um, with the human rights organizations there. 
uh, stayed, uh, I learned a lot about the Yazidis, their faith, which I really enjoyed. I had to hike up a mountain to meet um, their um, how, their God, in a way, their God's representative, he's okay. called. So okay. God appoints, in the Yazidi faith, God appoints a human being who takes care of the people. So this man, I had to hike up a mountain get to meet him, talk for a few days about everything, about Yazidism, about um, how, you know, ISIS entered, how the Americans stepped in, how, um, you know, other neighboring countries helped out with their plight. So how long did you stay? I uh, stayed in Iraq, uh, uh, there or in yeah, Iraq in overall? Iraq. In Iraq, a couple of weeks, two, three weeks. And were you staying, okay, but not in the mountain with with the Yazidis? Uh, in the mountains for a few days. So we drove, I went to, um, I went first to Erbil and then uh, we drove to Mosul, which is the most devastated site in the Iraqi war. There I got to uh, see uh, destroyed sites, interview people, talk to just locals because I was inventing three characters from that region. Hmm. So, so I, to get to know their, their style, their yeah, MO. And a lot of these stories, living there and the funny road trips and all this. They make uh, it into the book. Yeah, yeah. That's maybe, nice. In a weird, whiny way. So, but tell me, not whiny, windy? <laughs> whiny, <laughs> whiny, <laughs> so, W-I-N-E. For yeah, wine yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got it. Um, how were you, like, where were you sleeping? Uh, like, I just, it sounds like such a strange experience. On my Instagram, if you scroll down, you'll okay. see some from last we'll year. We'll check it out. Some, but yeah, I slept everywhere. I slept in cars, trucks, um, barracks with, like, Pashmirga forces. Um, where else? Um, hotel, very nice hotels when we could find. Yeah. yeah, everywhere. People's homes. I mean... One time we were in a town called Lalish, which is in the north of Iraq for Yazidis. And we were supposed to go back and drive two and a half hours to Erbil or three hours and call it a day. And then this guy just invited us to stay the night. And we're like, okay, me and the driver. And we stayed, you know, for the night. And then the next day we were just lazy to drive back. So we stayed another day and we got to speak to the, you know, the people. And so, yeah, that's the beauty of writing. Yeah, amazing experience. Yeah. But see, I don't think a woman would be able to do that. It would be kind of awkward, right? Definitely. In our, this is the world we dream of. I think, you know, this shouldn't exist. But yeah, a woman would find difficulties there and challenges. Yeah. And this is sad to say, but this is a reality that I really hope changes super fast. Yeah, unlikely though. Unlikely. I guess you'd have to take a bodyguard. There are solutions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are the solutions. Uh, like the 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 gentleman with me, uh, there. The, you know, this this is their work. They have this as a service where they take you around. So um, you're obviously a proud Palestinian. Um, tell us a little bit about your your background, like your your family history. Uh, so I'm Palestinian. My grandmother is Lebanese. I was born in Lebanon, in Beirut, in uh, Burj al-Barajni. I grew up in Burj al-Barajni camp, immigrated to Canada uh, as part of a Canadian program for young people who for education and so on. I uh, lived in Canada all until um, 2012, and then I moved to New York for a bit, and I was between New York and Toronto. Toronto's home, like, I don't know, when I think of home, it's always Toronto. And then, uh, yeah, now I'm. I just travel and work. And when there's a lockdown, I get locked down where, wherever you are. And I happen to be in Beirut. This lockdown. It sounds like you have friends all over the world, so it works out for you, though. Yeah, yeah. No, I do. I we play this game actually. When someone is traveling, they'll call me a friend of mine and say, "Do you know someone in this place?" 
and I've never had uh, one time where I said, nah. Really? Yeah, yeah. So just name it. All right. Let's get back to, to um, your work uh, writing books. Um, you wrote a trilogy called Confessions of a War Child. Um, and I saw this interview about another book that you wrote, The Tale of Tala, which is about a Syrian girl who gets recruited as a sex slave in Europe. And I think in the interview, or maybe it was a, a talk you were giving, um, you, you mentioned, or maybe it was during the interview, you auctioned off your socks. Yeah. <laughs> you're very like, you're, you're an activist and you're very creative with your activism. So how did that, what happened? Yeah. How much did you get for your socks and where did the money go? Well, um, I was on uh, MTV with Muna Abu Hamzi I went, uh, on her show. In Lebanon. Yeah, in Lebanon. And uh, Muna noticed my socks because uh, I was wearing like this um, solid color suit and the socks were like bright, uh, I think yellow. I can't, yeah, yellow or red. Yeah, yellow. What, what socks are you wearing today? Uh, today I'm wearing uh, like all kind of colors. Uh, striped. Yeah. Oh, they're pretty, they're pretty uh, neutral. I was at the UN, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> they're like neutral stripes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. So then I put them out for auction. And I said, if anyone is interested, you can contact me on, you know, on my uh, Instagram. And I got a lot of offers. We ended up... Uh, Uh, someone that I know actually ended up doing a donation to an organization for the price uh, f for the price he won, and I think he got nine uh, $9,400. He bought them for $9,400. Did you actually send him the socks uh, or give him the socks? I won't answer this question. <laughs> That's I'm not sure why, but I I just it made me this think. This is nasty to even think of. Not so. really, but I think even uh, like I was thinking if I did that, like I would have to pay someone. To give to take my socks, it's like I, maybe a bra would work better. You? I'm not wearing socks. It's like I sold them on the way here. Like I got an I got the idea from you. Um, so I also uh, noticed that you're working. You work. You have a lot of apps that you're developing. Are you like into tech? I mean, you, you're working on this digital uh, business card app. Yeah, here you go. No, I uh, actually here you go. Here you go. Yeah, here you go. Do is, you have a business card? Here you here go. Here you go. Exactly. So download, here you go. It's a, it's a digital business card. And I work with um, sort of on the advising board of a lot of these apps. Um, and I enjoy, I like tech. I like investing time and efforts and everything in tech. And I happen to be on several of these interesting apps like Candle of Hope, like here you go. So do you actually get involved in the development of the, of the tech, tech side of it? Uh, Or you're no. working with, the with someone who, with people who do the tech side? Playholding is the company that I work, work closely with. Where with. are they based? Uh, they're everywhere in the States. They have uh, teams here in the cool. Middle East. Um, so uh, yeah, they have always these great ideas for apps and I end up you know, on the creative aspect of it, on the marketing aspect, the tech aspect, not so much. Yeah. I, maybe my tech is user uh, oriented. Yeah. So you yeah. help develop it like in the phone and how, how can it be used properly? How will it be more appealing? Yeah. So here you go is basically digital, digital business cards. It replaces the traditional business cards, but there are a lot of apps like that. I mean, I've been using those for many years. Well, now you're going to start using. Yeah, here I you think go. <laughs> now it, yeah, no, here you go. Yeah. No, but the nice thing about here you go is people, it lets but, you. But people, people have had a hard time, except like whenever I've tried to use it, like what, you know, like they, they're not used to it, 
but maybe now that's going to change because oh, yeah. it's like who wants a paper card, right? And, yeah, who wants a paper card on full of germs? Yeah, from someone's pocket. I don't know what is mm. in his They're, pocket or on his hands. From the overstuffed wallet. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So COVID is going to make this uh, easier. But the nice thing with uh, here you go is as you download and use it and share and everything. It also tracks how many trees are you saving in the world okay. from your activity. So that reminder, that environmentally, like yeah. you know, reminder, is a nice way to also remember the environment. Mm -hmm. And this mm -hmm. was actually my main reason to join. Here you go. Uh, it's that community uh, involvement in in like an environmental topic yeah. and issue. Yeah. Yeah, and it's yeah. a nice way to kind of give it. It's true to, to when you're actually reminding people mm -hmm. of this every time they use it, then then it creates more of a habit that's based on something they believe in, I Absolutely. guess, which is mm -hmm. you know a good hook too. When marketing, <laughs> you're smart, you're really smart. But it's a great thing too. It's like a, it's a it's good all around. So what else is there? Anything else you're working on that you want to share with us? Before we, uh, before we let you go, the candle of hope that uh, I divided the candle of hope into levels. So every level is brings a new, you know, activity. So now the level is, uh, the next level will be, you're going to see our first story, this girl, she's going to be all over the app, um, telling you more about hope. Where, who's the girl? Where is she? Based? Where is she? Where is she okay, from? Okay, uh, Lebanon. Okay. So our first, each uh, story will be from a different country and they take over the uh, app for a week or two until they reach their target of lit candles and then three of their wishes will come true uh, together, you know, from celebrities and from our donors and from our friends and supporters. Are you going to tell us what her wish, her wishes are? Uh, sure, I'll tell you. Her wish is to get a bionic arm and to be on the cover of uh, a magazine with her bionic arm. Um, any magazine? Any magazine, yeah. And uh, to be, uh, uh, to speak at, like an international event or something like this so uh, this girl has lived all her life without without an arm because of a virus at childhood that uh, she was born with no arm a virus yeah it's a virus uh, um, it's a virus that hits through pregnancy and then when she was born she was missing on half her arm so hmm. really great you know, story, the way she, you'll see, you'll meet her on our app, on the Candle of Hope app, and you're going to fall in love with her energy. You're not going to complain for guaranteed 60 to 90 days about anything after you see our first story. Well, I can't wait. Thank you. I can't wait to, yeah, I can't wait to share it. Shaka, thank you so much for coming by. I'm so happy to have met you. I love what you're doing and it's really been a real pleasure. Thank you, Nadia. And I hope you have a great summer and we end up meeting on the beach somewhere. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> With masks on. <laughs> As bikinis. <laughs> great. <laughs> and socks. <laughs> That's it. Thanks for listening to the show. Make sure you're subscribed so you'll know who's coming on next and be sure to follow us on social media. You can shop TMR on my website, themensroom.show, where I've collaborated with some of Lebanon's coolest brands and designers to create some great products like super functional laptop bags and unique jewelry for both men and women that are perfect for summer. Check it out and see you soon. <laughs>